0: Some of you may have noticed I've been gone for a while, and I have. In a culmination of events, I found myself unable to continue functioning in my normal capacity. I could no longer push through and needed to take a leave. I'm honestly not entirely sure what happened, but I'm learning. I'm learning that sometimes in life we can do our best and things still fall apart. We think we're doing what's right, and things still break. Sometimes our efforts to help others really only make things worse. And sometimes, sometimes our limitations clock us right in the nose, and we bleed all over the place, losing our ability to keep going and even function. In the end, I suspect there's a gift in having our illusions of control destroyed, although it certainly doesn't feel like it. As the days have passed, I find I'm slowly coming back to life, a new life. Humbled, disoriented, eyes open and heart tender, and grateful. Grateful to Renovari for the space to heal. I'm grateful to Grace for putting together the classic podcast series in my absence. And grateful to Mel, who with patience and precision held everything together. And grateful to many of you for your prayers and Grace for unanswered messages. As we looked at restarting the podcast, it seemed fitting to put together a new series five episodes, all centered around the theme of practices that help in times of challenge, gifts that sustain writing, nature, beauty, art, and friendship. Oh, and we also decided to take this as an opportunity to change the name of the podcast. And so, I'm very grateful to be able to now say, I'm Nathan Foster, and welcome to Life with God a renovare podcast, a place for honest and unhurried conversations about interactive life with God. Our conversation today is with writer and photographer, Caitlin Dixon. There's a thoughtful gentleness about Caitlin and honesty and earthiness in her work and process. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and as expected. And there's much to learn from her. I spoke with Caitlin from her home in the Seattle, Washington area. I haven't done this for quite a while i'm I'm a little nervous me too good. We'll be nervous <laughs> together, yeah <laughs> you know when I started the podcast years ago um I had this idea that, you know, I had all these cool conversations with my friends and many times I was like, "If I wish someone else could hear this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's really what it was, is I just wanted others to hear these interesting conversations. So uh, two friends having a conversation. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> Caitlin, I'm curious to hear how you came to write
1: yeah um I actually just found this in my closet yesterday but my grandma gave me a journal to write prayers and Bible verses in when I was I think six or seven and I actually wow. yeah I just found my first poem that I had written in it uh, yesterday and was cracking up but it's it's been something that's in me since I was a child. So,
0: <laughs> Was it any good, your first poem?
1: It was excellent. No. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> but I was like six, so.
0: <laughs> no, it was yeah. wonderful for a six-year-old, right? Sure. age. Of, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just not to immediately go a different direction, but is that an issue for you to be faithful to the process and not get caught in? Is this good enough? Is my, you know?
1: Yeah. Always. Um, yeah. I think I think the best times for me are when I'm writing without an audience in mind. That feels the most freeing. And it it feels more than like a conversation between me and God and less like I'm trying to produce something that hopefully someone will applaud. But yeah, getting that imaginary audience out of my head is it's hard, but I don't think I had it when I was six, so i want to I want to get back to that place.
0: Mm. Do you find that difficult when you know that you're writing something that's going to be seen by others? does how do you put that out of your head?
1: Hmm. I think when I know who the particular audience is, then i I do write with them in mind, and i I pray that it will bless who I imagine. The readers to be, um, so in that way, it feels maybe like I'm co-partnering with the spirit to to speak words of of peace and and mercy and hopefully beauty.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I sometimes will view writing as a, a form of neighbor love. Mm. This is a way I can love my neighbor. Yeah, right. My invisible. <laughs>
1: Right, right. And when you think about it that way, you, that you can kind of get your ego out of the way a little mm-hmm. bit, which yeah. is hard, hard for me at least.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. but really critical, I think, yeah. if we're going to – do so you too. find it helpful for you, the writing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know where to start because I, I almost feel like writing either saved or – at least completely changed my life. Um, writing is is something I've always taken for granted. That is just something I did and something people do. But um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized that like most children aren't writing poems about Jesus telling Peter to feed their sheep. And so, as I've gotten older, I realized, oh, maybe this is something. Uh, Parker Palmer talks about those sort of innate core gifts that we we enter the world with, and so you know as I began writing more for for me and more seriously and and not you know for school or a, an assignment, um, I realized oh this is this is something that's really in me, but um, it's not something I took seriously until I really had to, and that was sort of at a, a crisis point in my life when. I had just left a job in which I had experienced a lot of secondhand trauma as a counselor at a women's shelter, um, but that job had come on the tail end of a of a divorce and a an abusive marriage. And so it felt like just these waves of trauma were sort of compounding me and I, I couldn't quite keep my head above water. And so I made the decision to walk away from that job and kind of found myself with a a blank page for my future, which utterly terrified me. But I started writing and I started sharing and I I joined a a Christian arts and faith program. Um, and I thought I was joining it for photography as, you know, honing my skills there. But when I tried writing, it was sort of affirmed in, in community that that was actually maybe more, more my gifting. And so, Words are are powerful, and I realized recently that words were used to sort of cut me down and control me, and abuse and destroy in my former marriage. Um, and it's it's ironic and very very of God, I think, to use words and the practice of writing and reading others' writing and poetry to rebuild the broken and, and torn down places in me. So it, it feels almost like I have this picture of a a stepping stone made out of of words sort of climbing out of the the destruction. And so writing writing became my main focus after I left my job in that marriage and it has been that way ever since
0: thank you for sharing that. And yeah. I I love this picture that um, God took the weapons used against you.
1: Yes. Yes. And used
0: it to heal. Right. Right. Uh, right. That's mm-hmm. just so creatively beautiful.
1: <laughs> it is. And it's it's what he does. I mean, it's there's that verse. I think it's in Isaiah, No weapon formed against you will stand. And you know, the promise of turning turning swords into gardening tools or uh, weapons into into tools of cultivation is is yeah. What you're saying,
0: I can totally picture God seeing one of His beloved wounded and hurt, mm-hmm. yeah. and then there's this kind of, you know, this this righteous anger, yeah, and you know, no, no, I'm going to restore here, right? But but to go, and I'm using those 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 arrows.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. What was it like for you in in those those early days? Coming out of the trauma and finding words,
1: yeah hmm. I felt very lost. Um, during my divorce i I needed a way to I needed some place to put my anger. and so i I wrote it out, and I directed much of it at God because i I felt like God had. Tricked me, or or trapped me, or led me into this marriage that ended up being absolutely chaotic and destructive. Um, and so I, I think I tried to use words to hurt, but God was, God was the only one who would listen at that <laughs> point. And so I, I was angry at God, and I, I let him know. Um, but
0: I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess that was not easy for you. It just, just the little I know about your personality, mm-hmm. wise, you don't seem like someone who's gonna give God the finger with regularity.
1: But I did it so well; it was as if I'd been doing it my whole life.
0: <laughs> just <laughs> came <me>. out. Huh? <laughs> it just came
1: right out. <laughs> yeah, I think I was just so fed up, and I, I felt like, is this where following your will has has landed me? Like, really are you are you happy with this? Because I'm not. Um. But deep, deep down, you know, it was safe to be angry at God. I wasn't. I knew I wouldn't get hurt back, and I think that was part of my healing too. Was that anger? Anger could be safe with God.
0: The relationship was established enough,
1: right? I could hold right. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, i
0: was thinking yeah. about how little kids will.
1: Throw a tantrum.
0: Yeah, with people that that feel safe. I mean, it's like a compliment. They feel safe enough to fall apart in front of you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah.
0: What reaction did you feel from God with your anger?
1: Mm. I felt like God was a loving parent who, you know, going back to the child throwing a fit metaphor was just sort of patiently waiting with with arms open. Um, just kind of saying, you know, when you're ready to, to settle down, I'm I'm here, but I'll I'll be with you in your anger and my my arms are open and they but they won't they won't restrain you or force you to calm down or be okay before you're ready. So
0: Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Big space.
1: Big space. Big space. Yeah. yeah. But safe, which is what I needed most. Yeah, in my marriage, it wasn't safe to be to. Um, it wasn't safe to not be perfect. I yeah, it wasn't safe to fall apart. And any time I did, words spoken during my my mess were you know swiftly turned into to arrows pointed back at me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think expressing anger, writing anger in in a safe space with God was so healing
0: mm-hmm. for me. How would you go into that? Would it just find you, or would you <laughs> intentionally?
1: <laughs> it was not hard to call up uh, initially because I think I think anger is. You know, it often covers shame for me, mm-hmm. and I was in deep, deep shame over um, what I perceived to be a, f- a failed marriage. Um, so, yeah, it's shame shame is almost always present for me, and anger is sort of a a masking emotion for that. So, yeah, anytime I would feel it, I would just start writing. Eventually, feel better towards the end, but
0: (laughs) it was medicine.
1: Absolutely, therapeutic. Absolutely, yeah. It still is
0: somewhere in there. It shifted from anger to
1: well. Yeah, hmm, I don't know how that happened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Got it all out.
1: (laughs) I got maybe. I think I just started to trust that. Um. I started to like the idea that a God I could control and manage was not a big enough God. And so I stopped being so angry at him for not falling into my beautifully perfect five-year plan. (laughs) And I started becoming more curious, I think, about, well, who is this God who lets things like this happen but is also so faithful to bring beauty from ashes? And so that curiosity turned into intimacy with God. And that's what I experience now when I write
0: intimacy, curiosity. Yeah,
1: Yeah. wonder, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gratitude. Yeah.
0: There's something in your writing that feels very much like you're discovering or learning yourself. Is that, is that accurate?
1: That's very true. Yeah. I think I I often write myself into discovery um, or I I write as a way of figuring out what I already know, but don't know that I know. I think there, there are times when I write that I'm very surprised by what comes out and it feels like this unexpected sort of moment of of the veil being lifted and getting a glimpse of of new creation or of you know deeper truest trinitarian reality and those are the moments that bring me the most joy but I can't manufacture them just mm-hmm. kind of have to wait for them
0: how have you preserved the integrity of that as you share your work with others and put it out there,
1: mm. that's something I struggle with the most. Um, yeah, I, on, I honestly think it's that's become a bit messy for me because um, because of my failed marriage. I'm, I've. This sounds so prideful, but i i think I've just been so darn determined never to fail again. That massively. <laughs> <laughs> That um, I'm so afraid of getting it wrong with God or of exploiting our relationship or not maintaining integrity that I, I think I almost undershare and I, I hold back. I hold back. And I think God's invitation to me lately has been just be bold. Like mm-hmm. Trust that every time you fall, you grow. And that failure isn't necessarily something to avoid when you, when you fail with, with me in your corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing. But I mean, in terms of integrity, I think um, I've had to really distance myself from social media because um, it's it's hard for me not to compare myself to others or not to envy the success that I perceive others having. Um, but I, I remember you told me once actually, I think it was at the one of the retreats, but you said, Spend all day on a paragraph, like you kind of gave me this new sort of very spacious way of thinking about writing as as something that could actually be very restful, um, and could go at a, such a slow pace that didn't have to. I didn't have to keep up with the world, or didn't have to keep up with maybe other people who have different skills than I have. Um, mm-hmm. So I think in terms of integrity. I, I think just continually reminding myself there's there's no one to keep up with. There's no one with a stopwatch but me. It's <laughs> like right. tapping their foot, looking at their right. watch.
0: Doing yeah. your word count for the yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting to me how we find these practices um, often in times of struggle or challenge that bring life. Um, And that's kind of what I'm hoping to do with this, this upcoming podcast series is exploring that in people's lives. And one of the things that I'm very aware of in that is that as you move uh, in that gifting, um, there's all these threats to it. And right. What can be a gift can turn into a curse. Right. If we're not careful. Right. And there's industries that will help with that
1: yeah all too well all too eager to help
0: (laughs) yeah yeah so how do we do that how do we live into those gifts and and um, give it that simplicity that childlike playfulness with god
1: i don't know i'm i'm very concerned with that and not in a an anxious way but in a i really want this way i really want to write with integrity and with slowness and i want to write even if I knew that no one would read another word that I wrote. Um, I want it to be well with me. And I I have to constantly remind myself that the kingdom of God really is an upside-down kingdom, and, <laughs> and what others say matters most often doesn't, really, in the kingdom of God.
0: There's this toxic... um practice in our culture that if we can't do something, if we're not good at something, we don't want to do it. Or,
1: right. Or share.
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially share. I, yeah. I've ever asked, something came up, something as simple as like, I was talking to someone like, do you like to play tennis? And they told me whether they were good or bad at it, <laughs> you know? like, And I'm yeah. like, I don't, I don't care. I just asked you if you like it. Do you like you it? Know?
1: Yeah. And yeah. I
0: think that there's a thing that I, you know, I can't write poetry because I'm not good at it. Which is just mm, stupid, one, because that's true. how you get good at it. But two, yeah. like, it doesn't mean you can't find crazy life in it.
1: Absolutely. Even yeah. if
0: you're quote unquote not good or like others.
1: Yeah, there's there's so many. I think we have a very much a stay in your lane culture that sort of gets started in us, you know, maybe even in elementary school. Like I, I remember not being praised for my art and so thinking – well, I'm not an artist and I have no business painting or drawing or, you know. Um, And so I I think it's that way with writing too. Like people think they're either good at it or they're not, but it's writing is a gift um, regardless of how skilled you think you are. It's a gift of self-expression and integrity.
0: Yeah. As as much as we want to, or as much as it's compelling to talk about God is if we know lots of things <laughs> and certainly, you know, scripture and years of revelation and as, as we've learned a lot as, as mm-hmm. humans, but in the end, we really don't know that much, No, um, a lot of mystery. But the one thing that does seem quite clear, uh, is that God likes to create,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and interestingly enough, using words.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I
0: love that picture. I do too. Uh, I I actually think the um, uh, I don't know where this fits theologically, but it works quite well in my mind. Um, I think Lewis's picture of Aslan singing
1: oh yes the world is perfect doesn't it? I think he's right actually. I think he got some special knowledge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do too. I do too. There is even some science of you know vibrations of tones and you know how this affects matter and such, but. if 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 this is true, which I think it is, that God mm-hmm. likes to make things, then when we are making things, somehow we're stepping into that image bearing. And I never get a sense of good, good try, Nate. <laughs> like, right, right. Not quite there. Keep, Cute. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never get that kind no, of rebuke no. that might be in my own head.
1: Um, right. I think he takes joy in our joining him.
0: Yeah. What would you say for people who are looking for a practice that would be life-giving to them? For writing? I think just in general. Often for people with writing, but just in general.
1: Yeah. I think taking time to see, to see deeply the world around you, whether that's through staring out your window in the morning and and seeing what god's up to in creation or or going outside and just planting your chair in front of a bush and noticing and maybe writing down what you notice or not or praying back to god what you notice but um, there's just such centering and and quiet to be found in taking the the length of time that you need to really to really see something and to sort of see the the essence of the thing you're you're observing um, I think that's what beholding is if not to like throw in that buzzword but it's being in a in a place where you're open and susceptible to to awe and to to seeing to the heart of things to seeing with the eyes of God I think of Jacob, who just went to sleep for the night and then has this has this vision of, you know, the veil sort of being torn back and pulled back and um, the angels of God ascending and descending and and that's that's beholding. that's getting a glimpse of truest, deepest reality. Um, and you know, that leads Jacob to conclude, surely God was in this place, but I, I didn't know it. And so. I think any any practice that requires intentional observing until you're able to say, "Surely God was in this place, but I didn't I didn't perceive it at first, but now I do." And then
0: these creative endeavors, with, mm-hmm. whether writing or music, painting, yeah. drawing with a crayon,
1: <laughs> right? In in response to what you see or hear or notice. Um, I think creativity as a response to beauty, to God, is a really life-giving practice. can be to anyone who is willing to do so without judging themselves, um, judging their work. (laughs) There it is. Mm -hmm.
0: There it is. Caitlin, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. You're welcome. And that was Caitlin Dixon. You can find out more about Caitlin and her work at CaitlinJDixon.com. In our next episode, we'll explore the gift of nature with Mark Buchanan. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to Life with God, a Renovare podcast. We're grateful for all of you who helped make this work possible. You can support Renovare and this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at Renovare.org donate. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find a collection of thoughtfully curated articles, podcasts, webinars, online classes, as well as information on our events and our institute on our website at renovare.org. This podcast is produced by Brian Morrican who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. Until next time, be well, friends, be well.